I get so tuned into you that I literally forget what I've said because I'm so connected. Hi, I'm Gian. And I'm Kimmy. We are two vibrant women excited about connection. We're interested in everything from self-discovery to the breakable and unbreakable bonds that weave through our various life stages. Let's talk about identity. What about intimacy? Sex. Partnership. Friendship. And parenting. And let's do it with our characteristic candor, compassion and curiosity. Absolutely. You are in for a treat. Gian is super funny. (laughs) And Kimmy has incredible insights. Learn and grow as you eavesdrop into our unscripted and warm conversations. Welcome to Connected. I'd like to take the conversation back to when you were talking about how you felt a lot of shame. Yeah. And having a low libido. I had so much shame around having a low libido. The messages I had received from female role models were that say yes, even if you don't really feel like it, because then you won't have to feel guilty when you say no. And even though I personally don't value that, like I logically go, that's not my value. I very much feel like both parties should want to participate. The unconscious messaging, it comes up. It's the, if you were going to be a good wife, you should be having sex with your husband right now. How often? And like literally like Googling at night, how often do married couples have sex or how often do couples after a baby have sex or like those sorts of questions because literally I was there like, is there something wrong with me? Like, yeah. Um, and so there was so much shame around, around it. And it's not something that your girlfriends usually talk about. No, most people don't. No. Talk about it. I'm lucky I've got some girlfriends who we do talk about it, but we don't go, oh, yeah, I have sex X amount of times a week or month or year. Yeah. <laughs> and I also, know, what I do know is that of some of my girlfriends, there are quite a few who are not happy with the amount of their sex life at the moment. In that they want more or? I think they would like it to be more, but I also think the phases of life that a lot of us are in at the moment, they feel like for whatever reason they're either disconnected in their relationship or everybody's touched out at the end of the day <laughs> or there's no time or the baby's still in the bed. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, lots and lots of reasons. And interestingly, a lot of those were reasons why I wasn't having a lot of sex. And yet I was judging myself for being like, I should be. And I think if you've got any chance of being connected in your body in order to have a positive experience of connection with your partner, it sure as shit isn't going to be because you're going, I need to have sex with my husband in order to be a good wife. Absolutely. And there's got to be a lack of fear. Like I'm, I'm actually hearing fear and distress yes. in there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's also messaging that you get. Will they leave me if I don't? Yeah, and there's, a, there's threat in that. So yeah. it makes sense then that that fight, flight, freeze or fawn response is triggered. Absolutely. Yeah. So it like for me it even got to a point where I was touched out from baby that even affectionate touch that had no intention of going into like sexual just affectionate touch would make me freeze and be like, don't touch me. And it's so confronting when you're having that physical response to the person that you love. Yeah. And you're like, but I love you and I'm not not attracted to you. And yet I'm like, don't touch me. Yeah, <laughs> and how, out. yeah, and how horrible that would be for the partner who's then going, well, what did I do wrong? Like, I love you and I respect you and I'm not pressuring you. I just want to hug you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, don't touch me. <laughs> well, we've talked earlier and in other episodes about the value 
of being connected and in your body. And I definitely feel a difference if I'm stressed or distracted or in other things, I'm not in my body because I'm trying not to feel that stressed, horrible feeling. Yeah. So the chance of there being like a positive sexual experience is pretty slim. (laughs) (laughs) And yet the like societal expectations or the little like voice from the back of my head going, but you should still plays there. And, and I know I'm not alone because I know there are other people out there having that experience too. Yeah. Um, What, what role do you think imagination plays Huge. for your libido and your sexual desire? And, I, and the reason I'm asking that is that I know when people are a lot in their head, what goes on in their head really influences things. So in order to take a strength-based approach, what role would imagi- imagination have? Huge. Huge. Yeah. We talked about before that women some of the time, particularly in the studies that are not as connected to their own physical desire and would <laughs> have the physiological response but not rated emotionally as high for me part of the way I have hijacked that in the past is reading romantic or erotic books and things like that Um, not so much film but I will put my hand up and say that I have previously when I've been trying to reignite my libido had a subscription to a feminist porn uh, website yeah good Um, on you I watch porn yeah and that I think so much of it's about the type that you consume. 100%. Yeah. And making sure that it actually is something that would be desirable or reflect the kind of experiences that you find attractive. Yeah. Um, so I found that helpful. But imagination was so powerful because particularly when it's books, I could imagine that however I wanted like it's not necessarily like, you know, if you're looking at pornography, it's very clear this is what they're doing. Yeah, yeah there's no <laughs> there's real, no, yeah, there's no real room for you to add of yourself. In yeah, it. yeah, yeah. And I think too like when I looked at the perspective of which I consume romantic or erotic novels, it changed my perspective on porn because I grew up in a family where porn was very not okay. Yeah, just not talked about, not okay, not accepted. And so even early on in relationships that I had, I was very anti. Like if I had found a partner watching, I would have like flipped my shit. (laughs) (laughs) Because I had a different idea of it. Like I was there going, oh, you're imagining it with that person or you're wanting to do that specific thing with that specific person or that you're wanting to do that with me and there's no way I'm doing that. (laughs) Um, Like whatever it was. Whereas like when I looked at the perspective of which I would read a book and find that arousing, then – it changed how I saw porn that you're not necessarily consuming something because you're like, Hey, that person looks like, like you can use your imagination to be like that activity looks fun. Yes. I wouldn't mind doing that with the person I love. Yes. It's not really got to do with the people you're watching necessarily. No, they're almost like, um, not the catalyst, but like, it's a bit of a portal into feeling open to sex. In some ways, yeah. yeah. Or being aroused, like it's a portal a catalyst for arousal. Yeah, yeah, yes, imagination, huge role. And I actually found it helpful because I didn't have the same barriers around books and that sort of stuff particularly. Yeah. I didn't have like any preconceived ideas about this being negative or like I love reading. And so for me that's easy. And I loved the fact that 
it's a slow burn. There's lots of anticipation and build and and it's so much and particularly when I think about it even now, I'm like, oh, light bulb, it's all about the connection. It's yeah. about so much of the romantic relationship between the two characters. It's not just about the sex scene because you can read something that's just about the sex scene and it doesn't have the same appeal to me as reading a romance book that has the build up between the characters, even if the story is a little bit shit. Like, <laughs> But now we're really finding out what works for you, Yeah, what your needs are there. Yeah. It definitely has then helped me get back into my body so that I can then go, okay, instead of viewing this from a has to be an act of service to somebody else and it's not about everybody being involved, I can view it as I'm in my body. What's the state of our relationship? Mm. Okay. Are my needs being met in my relationship? Yes or no. If they're not, we need to have a conversation because that's actually what's contributing as much as me not being in my body to the health or whatever of our sex life. Yeah, I feel so deeply connected in my relationship at the moment. And I think the reality is relationships go through ups and downs and not everyone's going to be like, oh, we're so wonderfully happy all of the time because we're human. But in those moments, there's a whole lot less. Like when I am going, I'm really happy in the connected part of our relationship, the pressure I feel or the feelings I wish I didn't have around I have to have sex with my husband in order to be a good wife kind of evaporate a bit. You know what? We'll get there. Yeah. It'll happen. I'm, I don't have the whole like, it's never going to happen. I'm going to be a shit wife. He's going to leave me. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I'm not leaving you. Like, <laughs> Which we know we can have a bit of a giggle, but in yeah. reality that's a real fear. That's a yeah. genuine fear. Yeah. And it's played out by lots of media around us too. Well, it's played out in real life and I left a marriage because of that. Yeah, so people, if it's a real need for someone to have. Mm. We talk often in our relationship about needs, that it's essentially like we have needs in a relationship. Those are many needs. They're not just sexual needs. My, I didn't come from a family of big affectionate touch people and my husband, one of my husband's love languages is affectionate touch. Yeah. And so I make a conscious effort to go, this is how he likes to be loved. So I go hug him in the kitchen or I hold his hand or um, even if I'm like, I don't want anyone touching me for me to go to sleep, I'll hug him for a bit and then I'll be like, okay, now I'm going back to my side of the bed. Like, <laughs> like because, yeah, it's about the connection and your needs. So in the same way that like you're talking about needs in a relationship, like, okay, honesty and trust and meeting the way they like to be loved and it's not all about just you have to have sex with your husband in order to be a good wife. Like, yeah. Mm how that evolves. So I feel like we touched on something and then we ran away from it really quickly, which was you left a relationship because of needs. Yeah. 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 And how it didn't meet your needs. Yeah. Specifically having a sexless marriage. I mean, obviously there are other things that fell apart because of that. And yeah. Where do you want to go with that? Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more and how long that process sort of was? Yeah. The sexless marriage lasted for most of our marriage, which was about a decade. Mm-hmm. And um, during that time, I'm a very loyal person, so mm. I did not cheat whatsoever. I just want to make that disclaimer that it doesn't matter if you Proud. do or you don't. I, but the reason I'm mentioning it is that it contributed to the difficulty yes. that I had. Yeah, and, it, and it, I guess it got to the point where I got very unhealthy. What was the hardest part about being in a sexless marriage? 
It's a shit question. I'm sorry. No, that's a really good question. I'm trying to think about what the hardest part was because there were so many hards. I felt like a failure as a human. Mm. It, it affected me in all areas of my life. Mm-hmm. So at work, at home, in my friendships, I feel like I was a fraud. On mm-hmm. the on the outside, it looked like I had a marriage, and for me, I. Marriage cannot happen without mm-hmm. a sexual relationship. So to be honest, the whole time I actually didn't feel married. And I think that was probably, now that I'm processing out loud, mm. <laughs> that was probably the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. I know that if I've had a really connecting sexual experience that afterwards I feel so like legit in your relationship. I know that's probably sounds like the worst wording choice. <laughs> so we're legit. But. I definitely like I go, yes, it was like reaffirming for the connectedness of your relationship and like, yes, we're in a healthy marriage in lots of ways and I imagine having an experience that wasn't like that. Yeah, it just was very disconnecting. Yeah. And um, did you feel connected in other ways? We were really good friends. Mm-hmm. So, and we're still very, very good friends. Mm. So when you said initially you left a relationship, immediately in my mind I thought, I changed the relationship. Yeah. And our relationship has been much, much better since then. Mm. It's co-parents and his family, you know, so he's a beautiful man. But the level of disconnection and my understanding about uh, the role of partner or husband Mm -hmm. and that not being played out in the way that I had expected or desired or hoped or needed even. And I feel a little ashamed to say this out loud, but the level of anger that, generated within me which escalated I would say to rage was really unexpected and very difficult actually that's probably the most difficult part of it was living with the intensity of that rage were you angry with him or angry at the relationship you had hoped would be was it an expression of grief do you think oh for sure it was grief 100 Mm. percent, it was grief and there are obviously many moments where I was um, angry at him and irritated, mm. you know, there, there was a lot of micro irritations that would have been softened had there been that physical connection. When we talked before about part of your communication and way of connecting in a romantic relationship mm. is we're not connecting right now in this way, let's try connecting in this other way so that this we can continue to communicate. Yeah. And so that makes a lot of sense to me when you're describing that experience. Yeah, and so I use, well, for me, sex is a way of communicating. Mm. And I know it's reverse for a lot of women, but I can't feel emotionally connected with someone unless I'm in a sexual relationship with them if it's an intimate relationship. (laughs) You know, a lot of people would need to feel emotionally connected before they could. I mean, obviously I have to be attracted and trust the person. Yeah. But for me, communicating via bodies Mm. is a way of fostering the emotional connection, which I heard you touch on when you said you felt, you know, that after you had a really positive sexual experience with your husband, yes, it felt legit. You felt yes. connected. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I think living with that disconnection mm. was difficult. And just also the expectation that I would, oh. that I would live like that, that. That it would be not a problem because. That my, that it was okay for me to suffer that it was expected think, for me to suffer. Do you think he realised that it was suffering? I was 
I communicate really well. Yeah, you're like, oh, <laughs> you made that very clear. Yes. But people can only hear what they're able to hear. And, Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm not saying that to um, make anyone look no. bad because it actually got to the point where eventually mm. he did want that from the relationship and I'd already shut down. Yeah. So then he had to, he, he experienced that himself. Yeah. There was a point of no return then. And I think the numbing you know, I had to do a lot of numbing in order to survive mm. um, in that situation. Maybe that's where the rage came from because I'd numbed so many feelings. Mm. The only feeling that was like strong enough to erupt was that rage. Yeah. That's what I meant when I said like do you think it was an expression of grief because so yeah. often like I know for myself personally when I start to go I'm angry about something, I'm like, okay, there's another emotion here. Mm. I once had a therapist describe um, anger as something else dressed in drag. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, I'm angry. What am I really angry about? Okay, I'm hurt, or there's yeah. something else going on here. Yeah, and I don't do well when I feel angry. I feel a lot of shame when I'm angry, mm-hmm. and it depends on what the anger is. Of course, if it's anger that motivates me to make a change or motivates mm. me to learn something, that's okay. That's productive anger. But if it's anger that feels like it's got no solution, it's going nowhere, I really feel like I'm a failure as a person for having for being cranky, for being angry. Isn't that Do interesting? You, what are your experiences with that? I used to feel very angry a lot as a teenager and I would be told that that was not an acceptable way for a teenage girl to respond in anger. <laughs> I think I was um, – and from multiple sources, it was not just one person who expressed that uh, me being angry was not allowed. And so I bottled it up mm. and suppressed it or it would burst out at, at different times. And I think it's taken a really long time for me to be able to go, I'm angry and I'm allowed to feel angry, but there's something else underneath this anger Yeah, and go through that. So I do I do think there's been definitely a lot of shame around the anger because I was I had a lot of time. I think a lot of women are told that though. Like don't be angry or don't be so emotional or yeah. How dare you have feelings? <laughs> yeah, they're not to be trusted. Yeah. When it's about someone who, you know, you're in a marriage with too. That's really conflicting because you're like I love them but I'm angry with them. And the love changed. Yeah, and it also dissipated before it could be rebuilt into something else that it is now. I know earlier we talked about that like it was not able to meet your needs. It also sort of like touches on, I guess, the fact that different people will have different needs in relationships and that there would be people out there who would be perfectly happy to be in a marriage that doesn't have a level of physical intimacy. Absolutely. And and I think sexless marriage is only a problem if one or both of the people want a marriage with sex or they want a marriage with more sex. So it's really only a problem if that's the case. It's marriages can exist really, really beautifully without the physical act of sex. Not for me, but for some people, absolutely beautiful. Yeah. It's not a, it's not an issue for for some people. Yeah. So this is just a personal experience. How did you cope? Because obviously it was you said it was over a period of a decade. How did you manage to stay in a relationship where at least one part of your relationships needs weren't being met for a long period of time you obviously have families that probably played into part of it yeah I think I um I didn't cope well for the first several years I think I was in denial to start with and sometimes yeah (laughs) and um it took me four years to actually say out loud I'm in a sexless marriage and Mm -hmm. that felt phenomenal that day like really really gutting and (laughs) and also freeing oh my gosh this is what it is 
I think I just really devoted myself to motherhood. I, mm. I love my kids and I devoted myself to work. And then when that feeling of rage and disconnection and ill health, mm-hmm. I, I felt really unwell without mm. having a nurturing sex life. Then I started to find ways of the language of movement, which is what we've talked about before. So dancing, swimming, having a shower at the end of the day, self-pleasuring. I gradually started to build that into my yeah my day as a priority. It sounds like you went through a process of discovering you. Yeah, because that's a really interesting thing to say. That's really sparked something off in me because I actually didn't feel seen. I didn't feel seen in the way that I expected a husband to see me. That's fascinating. Yeah, with the lack of sex. So do you think it was a process of I'm going to see me? It was a process of, yeah, I'd stop seeing me. So first I need to see me. And then I had to make a decision. How important is it for me that I'm seen by my husband? It was a really difficult mm. decision to make, Gian, because we there was actually not a whole lot of conflict. Like we, we worked really well together in many different ways. We literally worked together in our job and very well. It took me a while to actually really own the fact that this is an essential part of this is a need. This is a need. This is not a want. Mm. This is a need. And yeah, a lot of bravery to make that decision. Absolutely. And I think to me, um, the part where you said you felt physically unwell mm. is the part that goes, that's because it's a need. I work with people with disabilities and, and I would talk about that this is not just a person doing something because they want to. It's a need that they're trying to meet. And so for me, when you're talking about being in a, a sexless marriage and that that was a problem for you yeah. because your libido is a need, yeah. not just a want. And, you know, we've talked about in other episodes before about different people's sexual needs and communication in relationships and, and all of that. So, you know, you mm. guys can go listen to that if you want to have more of a conversation again about that one. But, yeah, I think that's really, um, really fascinating to talk about. Yeah. It felt like deprivation of sorts, which then felt like a bit of, torture and I know that sounds really extreme and I don't mean to make light of those words but it Mm. actually did feel like deprivation. And when you said then being seen by your partner that makes sense then too you're going I didn't feel seen because and then I felt deprived by not being seen for that that need to be met. Um, In the process of discovering you again what did you find? I found a level of calmness and chill and fun and joy and fulfillment I yeah mm. <laughs> sounds pretty it sounds pretty so great much. I would that yeah <laughs> this season I, be like I'll have some of that <laughs> I found a really juicy woman yeah. who I felt I felt like a cardboard cutout I felt dried up and stale and I felt like no one mm-hmm. I didn't feel like a person I actually felt dehumanized like a dehumanized in a way um and yeah what I found was this living breathing pulsating human and I actually feel younger now than I did 10 years ago so ladies yeah (laughs) (laughs) if you want to feel and look younger yeah have a good self-pleasuring practice and find yourself discover yourself and then I'm I feel so much more creative and confident to take risks and sleep better I feel whole Thank you so much for being so honest about all of that, Kimmy. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah. If I can be even more honest. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And say that uh, I think it probably would, would have been overwhelming. Yeah. Um, 
for a partner to be with me. And I, there are aspects that I can't disclose because mm. it's not my story, but I can kind of imagine that if you're with someone who has a need that you feel like you can't quite yeah. meet or, you know, if you don't feel really in touch with your own sexuality, if you don't have a self-pleasuring practice, if your history hasn't been the same as the other person mm. um, or your values or the meaning you place on sex is different, I imagine it would be really difficult. Yeah. And, um, you know, we talked about the fear response mm. triggering triggering that fear response of that freeze or the flight Absolutely. It would almost feel like um, it doesn't matter how much I try, I can't get to the level that my partner needs. And it would feel like a threat. Yeah. The the idea of it would feel like a threat. And I feel like I have so much compassion for that. Yeah. And I think there's so much courage in both parties being able to go, we care for each other and this isn't right anymore for each other. Yeah. It's time to change the dynamic here. What can our relationship look like now that's going to make us both happier? Yeah. How can we cultivate what we want it to look like in a way that meets everyone's needs? And beautiful. How freeing that is for everyone. Oh, it's been a really lovely process, to be honest. It's been a really happy process. Yeah. And what a nice story to have out there in the world of a like conscious, I think you described it before as a conscious uncoupling and to hear the story of it looking so healthy. Yeah. Yeah, really healthy. Yeah. That's not to say that there's not hiccups every now and then because ah. there are in all family relationships, but um Yes, there yeah, are. Overwhelmingly <laughs> it's a very harmonious <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't think there's a marriage out there that hasn't had fights and uh, yeah. <laughs> and if they haven't then they're not real. Um <laughs> or tell us your secrets. Send us an email. <laughs> 